Full Court Press, 268. The next day, Becky and I leave the house for school. The air is crisp and cold against my cheeks. I can barely drag one foot after the other. Becky skips along beside me and then slows down when she sees my mopish face. Have you spoken to your friends since since they found out I lied? I shake my head. Maybe, she says, thinking maybe they won't be mad anymore. I look at her and she returns my look and shakes her head. No, they'll be mad, but it's not fair. I mean, you didn't really mean to hurt them, right? She looks up at me with loyal eyes. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. She starts skipping again. So that's all right then. Not like you were horridopopotamus. Ginny and Elodie, they'll understand. I'm not so sure. When I arrive at school, the team is gathered on the outside court and it feels right that we should talk here where it all started. A wicked cold wind whips around me as I approach them. The sun shines without any warmth. My team have folded arms, stiff torsos, angry eyes. Body language is on the hostile side of friendly. Hey, I say, Ginny steps towards me, her face steaming. How could you? We believed you. Oh, yes, my parents know. It's all cool when they didn't have a clue. Something could have happened to you and we would never have forgiven ourselves. I hang my head, I'm sorry. Ginny hasn't finished. And now what do we do? Your parents are probably going to ban you from playing. We don't know that yet. I can't bear to hear her say the words. They look pretty dirty, ma'am, Duff said. True, no one says anything for a moment. When Elodie speaks, her voice is small. Why did you do it? Her eyes are hurt and I want to say something to help her understand. I didn't want this. I wanted to play. When I'm on the court, I'm just me, bug. Not some kid with a syndrome. Not Marfin, just me. I don't want to be different. I just want to play. You think that it's just you who feels different, Elodie's voice shakes. Try having black skin and crazy hair and then go to the supermarket. See how many looks you get. I listen a bit stunned. I never thought about Elodie's life like that before. Elodie continues. You've got this idea in your head, Bug, that it's you and Marfin. You're the only person who has to deal with something like that. When the truth is everyone has something. And you're the only one who missed out on stuff, Ginny says. I could have made the state team, but I couldn't commit because of Dad's job. I wanted to try boot scooting, Poodle says unexpectedly, in year three. My mum said she'd rather die than have to hang out with boot scooters. I am the image of Poodle and his curls scooting in an Akubra and cowboy boots would generally get a laugh, but not today. I know what you're saying, I say, but it's not exactly the same. Well, Elodie, maybe how you feel could be similar, I guess. I don't know. But boot scooting and rep, you're talking about fries with your burger. Things you 
would have liked in a perfect world. I had the thing I love the most in the world ripped away. Imagine how that feels, my voice shakes. And I have a syndrome, a thing that's part of me that I don't want, but I get no choice. It's here inside me. I thump my chest. There's no getting away from it. Times like this, I feel like it is all of me and nothing else. I have to live with that. Light rain falls. From my perspective, it's not all of you, Elodie says. You're funny and you speak up for people and you bring people together. That has nothing to do with Marfin. Whether you see yourself as all Marfin, that's your decision. I know I didn't deal with it very well, but I don't know. There's no rule book telling you how to cope with a syndrome in your life, right? I should have been up front, but I couldn't. I scuffed my feet on the asphalt. Maybe, maybe she's right though. Maybe it's a choice I can make. Summer folds her arms. Here's the thing, she says. Bug has this syndrome and he doesn't tell us. Or he tells some of us. She eyeballs Ginny, Elodie and Doof and leaves the rest of us in the dark. That's not okay. And I don't want to be on a team that's famous for a syndrome. She swings her hair. You should see what people have posted. I always feared Summer would feel like that. Deep inside me, something sinks. Something heavy and sad and broken. It feels like hope. Ginny's eyes blaze. Just so we're clear, Summer. The thing that makes you different, Ginny, I say it's okay, is that you have no idea how to accept people for who they are. And you wouldn't know a good person if you fell over one. You're so judgy, it kills me. I hope that good person Ginny is referring to is me. Summer tilts her chin, so sue me. I'm going to do more than that, Ginny says. You can pack your bag, you're off the team. The words hit Summer in the face. You can't do that. I just did. But he, Summer points at me, won't even be able to play. You need me on your team. I don't care. We'll be sure, Poodle says. I don't care. Summer straightens up tall. As if I want to play with you and your loser friends. She spins on her heel and stalks off. This is not what I wanted. Our team to fracture. But Ginny stuck up for me, and that counts for something. Nissa and Lulu watch Summer walk away, their faces tight with worry. Ginny looks at them. Are you guys leaving too? Lulu bites at her lip and shakes her head. No, no, I'm staying. We don't care about the syndrome, Nissa says. We like playing on the team and being your friend, Lulu says to me. The bell rings for class. I'm sorry, I say, for everything. I stuffed up bad. I just wanted to play. I take a deep breath. I didn't know I would end up caring so much about you guys. There it is. I've put it all out there now. Ginny listens and a lady regards me with her dark solemn eyes and then we walk to class in the rain. The days lurch and loiter. Mum and Dad are civil with me like they're speaking to the kid in the bakery selling them a fruit loaf, not their son. People at school are polite too. The only person who stayed open, openly angry with me is Ginny, who fumes whenever she sees me, and it's almost easier than the distant politeness from everyone else. 
After school on Wednesday, I go to the staff room. I have to speak to Killer before training so he knows why I'm not there. Ms Warner answers the door. Everything okay, bug? Okay is not the word I would use to describe my life, but I nod. I'm trying to make things okay. Killer comes to the door, his whiteboard in his hand. I'm coming, he says. We're not due to start for another 15, right? I've something to tell you. Killer looks at me. You're not sick. Only three days to the final. I knew this would happen. All the snotty kids who still come to school when they should be at home. I'm not sick. Well, not exactly. But I, I have this thing, Marfan syndrome. I was meant to tell you up front, but I couldn't. I explained to Killer about getting diagnosed and how Mum's freaked out about it. I'm sorry, Killer. I should have told you. I wait for the speech about how I did the wrong thing, but he didn't say anything for a moment. What do the doctors say, he says finally. Is it safe for you to play? Not sure. I have to see another one tomorrow. Killer lets out a long, slow whistle. I'm going to have to let Hummer know about this. I wonder what the principal will have to say about a student hiding a potentially life-threatening genetic condition from the school. So will I get in trouble? Killer laughs. He really wants us to win that final. He and the principal at Bond Beach go back a long way. And let's just say they're not besties. Oh, I'm sorry for not telling you. Killer nods. Apology accepted. Keep me in the loop from now on. Deal? I nod. Deal. Thanks, Killer. One small boulder off my back. It feels great to know someone can forgive me. No biggie. I can understand why you did it. And if you hadn't, we wouldn't have put the team together, right? It's a nice way of looking at it. I shift on my feet. Um, I'm thinking I should skip training. Killer looks shocked. That wouldn't be good for the team morale. The team, I'm not their fave right now, Killer frowns. If they're giving you a hard time about the, um, what did you call it? Marfin. It's not that. Some of them knew about Marfin and I told them it was okay for me to play anyway. Oh, Killer says, got it. I still think you should come to training. You can run the water. He pulls a note from his pocket. Is this why Summer has pulled out of the team? She reckons she has an ankle injury. I shrug. Maybe. Ankle injury, my foot, Killer says and nudges me. Yeah, I try to smile. Killer's sense of humour is the worst. Come on, bug. It'll all work itself out. I, you know you're down and out when the only guy on your side is a wrestler who lives with his mum. But I appreciated the gesture. Thanks, Killer. I leave the staff room and walk across the playground to the hall. I hesitate at the door. It'll be torture to be at training and not play, but I'll do it if they want me there. I think back to our first training sessions, disastrous and chaotic, until Rufus rescued it with the half-court display that swept us all up. I remember the sweet taste of being on the court and part of the action after thinking it was never going to happen. I think of what a miracle it was that we scrounged enough people for a team and that they were these people and we became our team and that against the odds we were good, really good. I decide against going in. If they wanted me there, they would have asked. My team is not my team anymore. 
I drag my feet towards the school gates. Stick boy, someone calls behind me. And I turn to see Doof. Where are you going? I shrug. Not coming to training. Didn't think it would be a good idea. Sloping off without saying anything is not a great look if you ask me. I hold out my palms. Everyone's so pissed with me and the team needs to focus on the final. It won't help if I'm there. I'll be a distraction. I take my notebook out of my bag. Here, take this. Maybe it'll help the team. I don't know. Dolph thumbs through my notes and looks at me. I don't even get what you're on about here. He hands the book back to me. You should hold on to your book and come and help us train. You know, they're only pissed because they care about you. They're stressed out. Something bad could have happened. I reckon if you hang tough, they'll come round. He looks sideways at me. You're still part of the team. My throat, th my throat feels thick and I hang my head. I don't know if I'll be allowed to play the final. The doctors and everything. Man, that sucks. He punches my arm. Come on, you bag of bones. You can help keep Killer off the sausage rolls. And we're going to need the Suva and the HSP fixed up if you're not playing. We've come a long way, him and me. When Ginny sees me enter the gym, she thumps the ball against the wall hard. And I imagine she'd like to do the same to my head. But Nissa and Lulu give me sympathetic smiles. And this time I'm grateful for the kind eyes. Rufus comes over while the team is warming up. Killer, did you know what's going on, he says. He did. We've become mates, Rufus says. He messages me at midnight about new tactics we should try. Always about defence, he said. He laughs. I'm sorry, I say to Rufus. I didn't mean to let everyone down. Man, you're in a tight spot, Rufus says. I get it. I wanted you to know this team, is, is, it's been important for me. Reminded me why I love the game. Even through my pain, I smile. Because this is big for Rufus. Do you think you'll play again? He smiles too. Yeah, I reckon I might. Whatever happens with our team, I'm glad that we came together. And I'm glad it helped Rufus. He glances over at Tom. Think he can reshape the Suva and the HSP, just in case. He doesn't finish, but I know where he's going, in case I don't play. Sorted, I say. I draw it out of him on the whiteboard. I draw it out for him on the whiteboard, showing how we can use Tom in my role and get Doof to add in a screen for some extra protection. An army tank wouldn't get past Doof. Sweet, Rufus says. You'll get through this bug. So will the Fido's. He glances up at me. Don't forget, you're the glue. We fist bump. I teach the guys the modifications to the set plays. Everyone's subdued, but they listen. Then a loady joins me by the sidelines while they play a half-court game. And I wonder, do I apologise again? I watch the game and remind myself that the hurt of not being out there will pass. Maybe next century. Is it painful to be on the sidelines? Elodie asks. I shake my head no, and she smiles at me. Okay, I say, yes, it hurts. It's a cruel thing if you can't play. This is one of the nicest things about Elodie. Thank you, I say, for trying to understand. 
She turns and looks at me with serious eyes. I do. It doesn't mean I like what you did. I know. I think we're okay. Do you know if you will be allowed to play? I sigh. I'm seeing another doctor tomorrow, I tell her, how saggy baggy Dr Howe became. Not now, Dr Howe. I'm seeing some paediatrician called Lenny Lemke. Apparently looks after a few patients with Marfan. The biggest decision of my life will come down to some guy I've never met. Where are you seeing him? Austin Hospital, I say. She nods. Maybe it's good if he has other patients with Marfan. He should be familiar with the evidence. I don't know. For starters, what were his parents thinking, imagining that Lenny added anything to Lemke? It doesn't bode well for the decision-making genes in his family. I'm not holding out high hopes for Lenny Lemke.